you have a copy of God's Word with you this morning, turn with me to the book of Genesis chapter 2. Genesis chapter 2. We are going to continue our study in Genesis, the first 12 chapters, which we've entitled The Beginning, as uh, we go through this series of looking at the bookends of history, the bookends of time. We see the beginning, and then in the fall, uh, Lord willing, we will see the book of Revelation unfold for us. So, in the sermons, not, not necessarily in life. Although that might happen too. Genesis chapter 2. Got a couple of folks awake. So here we go. Genesis 2, verse 1 and following. I will um, read them. If you don't have a copy of God's Word, they will, the words will be on the screen. You can follow along. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. These are the generations of the heavens and the earth when they were created in the day that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens. When no bush of the field was yet in the land, no small plant of the field had yet sprung up, for the Lord God had not caused it to rain on the land, and there was no man to work the ground. And a mist was going up from the land and was watering the whole uh, face of the ground. Then the Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground. And breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living creature. The Lord God planted a garden in Eden, in the east. There he put the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground the Lord God made to spring up every tree that is pleasant in the sight and good for food. The tree of life was in the midst of the garden and the tree of Knowledge of good and evil. A river flowed out of Eden to water the garden. And there it divided and became four rivers. The name of the first is the Pishon. It is the one that flowed around the whole land of Havilah. Where there is gold. And the gold of that land is good. Bedulam and the onyx stone are there. The name of the second river is the Gihon. It is the one that flowed around the whole land of Cush. And the name of the third river is the Tigris, which flows east of Assyria. And the fourth river is the Euphrates. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and keep it. And the Lord commanded the man, saying, You may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of it you shall surely die. Then the Lord God said, It's not good for man that he should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. Now out of the ground the Lord had formed every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called every living creature, that 
was its name. The man gave names to all livestock and to the birds of the heavens and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper fit for him. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man. And while he slept, took one of his ribs and closed up its place with flesh. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. Then the man said, this at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife. And they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I bow before you and God, I ask that as over the next few moments, as we look at this passage, Father, you would speak into our hearts, you would speak into our lives, Lord We need to hear from you. I I know that I say that often as I stand up here and as I pray, but Father, it is so true. We need to hear from you. Lord, it's not just those that are seated. I need to hear from you. Father, it's not just the row in front or the row behind us. It's not the person to our sides. Father, it is us. We need to hear from you. Father, you have brought us here. It is no accident, it is no coincidence that we are in this place this morning, that we are looking at this passage, that we have sung these songs. Father, make our hearts and our ears open this morning that we might hear from you. For Father, that is the greatest message and of utmost importance for every one of us. I ask it in Christ's name. Amen. Genesis chapter 2 is, for some degree, it is a recap of what took place in Genesis chapter 1. It is God going from the brush stroke to let us see, briefly, but let us see a little more of the minute details that took place or that had to take place when he created the world. If you were to look at verses 1 through 6 and you were to read those and, and take a moment and look and study and think about all the things that are happening in those verses, you would see all of Genesis chapter 1. I told you last week that Genesis chapter 1, in those days of creation, in day 1, day 2, day 3, all of those three days were uh, the formation and the foundation of the events that would happen in 4, 5, and 6. And here in Genesis chapter 2, God gives us more details as to, especially as to, the events of day 6 with the creation 
of man. Six days God created. Six days he spoke the world into existence out of nothing. He created everything. And in those six days from darkness came light. From nothing came form. From form came the earth, the ground, water, creatures to the point of Adam and as we see here also, Eve. Six days of creation are culminated with a seventh day. A day of rest. A day of rest for all, not just for mankind, but a day of rest for all. God rested on the seventh day, not because he was tired, but because he was finished creating. And at the end of the task, he rested. God blessed the seventh day. The day was set apart in creation. And in this event, in this chapter, in this passage, it was set apart because there was no statement of it being there was evening and there was morning day seven. It's also set apart because there's no activity and no creating on it. God made a point of this day, a day of rest, so that you, so that I would understand it is different. All of creation needs rest. When is the last time that you rested? I know last night you were supposed to have at least, some folks think, 12 hours of sleep. But you were supposed to have some sleep, and in that you were supposed to rest. Maybe it was seven hours. Maybe it was five hours. Hopefully it was more than three hours. But, but you rested. But that's not the rest that he's talking about here. The question is, when's the last time you rested? Not chasing a white nipple ball on the golf course or looking after some animals out at the deer camp. When was the last day? Not, not chasing after dead animals that are skins on purses and, and uh, shoes. But when was the last day that you rested? God says... For you and for me, every seventh day, it is to be a day of rest. You need it. You need it so that your work in those six days, so that your work can be at the utmost. You need to rest. Everything needs to rest. Animals need to rest. Land needs to rest. So Later, he commands Israel as they are going into the land, Hey, Israel, here's what I want for you. Six years you shall farm the land, but in the seventh year it shall be a year of rest. Even today, farmers rotate crops. Some even give sections of land. I know around the town that I grew up in, Every now and then, you'd just go by the cotton field and there wouldn't be anything on it. It needed a year and time to rest. Animals need rest and you need rest. You say, Brian, I'm doing just fine without the rest. Are you? 
in his book, Leading on Empty, a man, a pastor by the name of Wayne Kadera, who uh, suffers for Jesus and leading a church out in Hawaii. But uh, in his book, Leading on Empty, uh, Kadera stated this. He speaks about how rest is vital to the Christian walk. He, he tells that if you and I don't take care of our bodies, God will cause you to rest. Three or four chapters, a couple of chapters in that book, he speaks of his own experience of where God brought him to a nervous breakdown to where he had to take months and months away from the ministry, away from work, away from a church that has several thousand people in it that he was pastoring, all because he did not rest. Heart attacks, strokes, ulcers, your digestive tract, your endocrine system, your neurological systems all have the opportunity to go haywire all because you and I won't rest. Today in the United States of America, the number one drug category is antidepressants. We won't rest, but we'll medicate. God calls you, and he calls me to a day of rest. God says rest, one in seven days. For you and for me to be our best, you and I must rest. So he took the seventh day, and he blessed it, and he made it holy. He set it apart, and it was to be different from the rest of those days. Second, this morning, we see man's creation and his responsibilities, and they come into focus. In verses 7 through 20, I'm not going to read them again for us this morning, but in those verses, we see God give us minute details of the creation of man, how it came about. And we see that he gives him responsibilities and what, he's, what his life's mission and his life's work is to be about. The Lord God, it's a new term, it's a new name in Genesis chapter 2. In Genesis chapter 1, it was just God, but now in Genesis chapter 2, there are two titles. It is not just God, not just Elohim, not just Creator, but now it is Jehovah, it is Yahweh, it is the covenantal name, that intimate of relationships that He calls to you and to me, and He gives us that name, He gives us those attributes, He gives us Himself, and He says, the Lord God Creator, yes, but even more, more than that, He is Yahweh. And the Lord God formed man. If you look in verses 5 down through verse 7, you will see that He formed man. You're not an afterthought. The way that God created you is that He uniquely formed you just the way you are. He created you. He formed man. 
It's that he took time, that he thought. He thought of the minutiae as well as the magnanimous. He formed man with intent as well as with purpose. One commentator stated it this way, speaking about man being created. Suppose you and I are going to make a man. We're going to make a human being. Here's what we would need. We would need some 58 pounds of oxygen. We could have 58 pounds of oxygen right here. We would need some uh, five quarts Excuse me, 50 quarts of water. We would need two ounces of salt. We would need three pounds of calcium. We would need 24 pounds of carbon. We would need some chlorine, some phosphorus, some fat, some iron, sulfur, and some glycerin. And we could have all of those particles, all of those elements, all of those things on this stage. Even if we had all those things in the exact proportions that was necessary to make a human being. No matter how long you wanted to shake it. No matter how long you wanted to try to put the pieces together. There is no way that you nor I nor any scientist could form a man. Let you think about it this way. Just look at your arm for a second. Just look at a, a postage stamp size of skin on your arm. For that postage stamp size of skin, it requires 3 million cells. For that postage stamp size of skin, it requires 1 yard, 3 feet of blood vessels. It requires 12 feet are four yards of nerves, 100 sweat glands, 15 oil glands, and 25 nerve endings. And that's just the large parts that go into one postage-sized stamp of your skin. Think about the billions of particles in each and every cell, in each and every portion or part of that one postage size stamp of skin. God formed man and he formed man and then he breathed into his nostrils life. Mankind is different than every other aspect of creation. Mankind is different than nutmeg. Nutmeg was my first dog. It was a wire terrier and uh, nutmeg was an adult dog by the time I got nutmeg. Nutmeg really didn't like me and I really didn't like nutmeg, but nutmeg was my dog. And nutmeg would be in the backyard and nutmeg would uh, run around. Nutmeg barked at everything that came by. I think most dogs do that. But I remember the day that Nutmeg died. And I could take you to the yard up in Bartlett where we dug a hole in the back 
corner of our yard and we placed nutmeg in the ground. And guess what? Nutmeg's still there. Nutmeg is dead. Does not have a soul. I will not see nutmeg in heaven ever. I know I'm bursting some bubbles of some folks. But that's the difference between humanity and other creation. You and I have a soul. Almost two weeks ago, my aunt passed away. I had the opportunity to preach at her funeral. I saw the casket. I saw the casket lowered into the ground. But guess what? My aunt, Patricia, was not there. Why? Because she was more than these flesh and bones. Patricia had a soul. You and I have a soul that separates us from the rest of creation. This is the aspect of life that is more than physical, it is spiritual. It's here where God's Spirit, His ruach, the the breath, the wind, His Spirit takes part in creation. God's special creation was different from all the rest of creation. And this is what sets us apart from rabbits and gophers and trees and roses. Chapter 2, verse 15 states this, The Lord God took man and He put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and to keep it. Not only do we see that here Um, In Genesis chapter 2, do we see man's creation, but we see his responsibilities. What were his responsibilities? His responsibilities were great. His responsibilities were vast. He was the one who named everything. Why is an eagle named an eagle? Because that's what Adam named it. You ever heard the question, why is the sky blue? That's because Adam named it. He brought, God brought everything to Adam, and Adam named everything. And it wasn't at the moment that Adam was naming everything that God saw that there was something different about Adam than from the rest of creation. It wasn't at that moment that Adam himself saw that there was something different between him and all of creation. But Adam had a job, and his responsibility was this. You are in the garden, you are going to work, and you are going to keep this garden, and everything that I bring to you, you will name. And he did it well. You and I think that uh, work is something that came after the, the fall. It's not. As we'll see in the coming weeks, we will see that work after the fall became laborious. But there were responsibilities given before the fall, before sin entered the world. He was to work and to keep the garden. He was to rule over all of creation and he was doing just that. Man had a job, it was work, and he was doing that. So we must see that God's creator, we must also see that God is one of covenant, intimate, relational, and he desires that from man. But third and finally this morning we see this, that man's helpmate was given to him. Let me read verses 21 through 25 for us quickly and 
Look at this and we'll close. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man. And while he slept, we see the first surgery take place. While he slept, he, God, took one of his ribs and closed up its place with flesh. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. And the man said, this at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast or cleave to his wife and they shall become one flesh. The man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. It was God who saw that there was something missing in Adam. It wasn't that Adam was there naming all the animals and he saw the female alligator and the male alligator. He saw the female grizzly bear and the male grizzly bear and they had those that were fitting. No, it was God that said, you know what? Man doesn't need to be alone. You know, it's been jokingly stated this, and it's been written numerous ways. But it is something that God took a rib, and he didn't take a a foot, bone, and that man would lord it over or trample on top of woman. He didn't take a a bone out of uh, Adam's head to say that woman was going to trample over or going to be above man. He took a bone out of his rib. To say that here is a helpmate who is suitable for you. Here is your equal. But also one that was right there at his side. That he could have his arm around and protect. And also a bone that was close to his heart. That he would love his wife. When Adam comes to. How many of you have ever had surgery and you come to and you say some weird stuff? Weird. Stuff. I have been in hospital rooms where weird things have been said, all because of the medicine that kept you under while they were cutting on you. Just to hear. Am I in the right room? Yes, I am. I'm in the right room. But when he came to, Adam looked at Eve and said, That is my mate. That's her. She's bone of my bone and she's flesh of my flesh. I want, I desire, I need her. And we see the first wedding. Men and women, might you and I, might we rejoice today that God has provided you a mate. You say, well, some of us here are single. Let me give you a word of challenge. A word of encouragement. Find yourself just like Adam. What was Adam doing? Was he searching through all of the garden looking for a mate? No, he was doing the task and the job that God had for him. And he was resting there. And at the right time, God brought the right one to him. For those of us who are married today, might... You and I rejoice in the one that God has brought.
Might we praise Him? Might we praise Him for them? Genesis chapter 2. A study, a look at creation. Not from the brush strokes of 30,000 feet, but just a little closer. Especially that day of 6 and day of 7 for creation. You say, Brian, how do I apply it? great story 5,000, 10,000 years ago. How do I apply it? What does it mean today? You have a job. You have responsibility. God has given you that responsibility. He didn't mess up. He didn't give you the responsibility that somebody else should have had. He gave you your responsibility. Might you and might I. Might we take that, might we grow. And might we praise Him. Heavenly Father, I bow before you. I asked, Father, that uh, Lord, your word would would rule and reign in our minds this morning. Father, it's warmer than we would like for it to be in this place. Lord, it was easy for us to have our focus on that instead of your word, but might your word leave with us? Might your word draw us to you? Thank you for the time. Thank you for these, your people, our family, brothers and sisters that would come to praise your name. The invitation for us, Lord, is to come to you. A stressful week. A week where we might have run away from you. Might we heed your call to come back to you. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your steadfast endurance and patience. I ask in Christ's name. Let's stand and let's sing this morning. The invitation is open for you, ma'am. The invitation is open for you, sir. You obey. <laughs>